basically tonight we're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 2 and the title is A Shadow of Things to Come. So Leviticus chapter 2 is, it's called the meat offering and we're going to be going through the chapter. Now don't worry, as I'm going to read the chapter first of all and as I'm going through it, you might think to yourself, I don't really understand this, I'm not going to get this, but I'm going to break the chapter down. I'm going to go through verse by verse and it's a beautiful chapter. It's a shadow of things to come. Well, what shadow is it? It's a shadow of Christ. So you see the shadow, but you don't see Christ. But Christ is to come, pointing to the new covenant. And you will see Christ in this chapter as we go through it. We insight into the chapter. Leviticus chapter 2 is called the meat offering or the grain offering. It's a picture or a type of Christ's sanctified life on the earth. The time frame is around 1445 BC and Leviticus is the book, one of the books of the Torah written by Moses. Exodus shows bringing forth a redeemed people. So Exodus, Christ brings forward a redeemed people out of Egypt. Leviticus shows him making a holy people. Leviticus means relating to the Levites because the Levitical priests are the center of the book. Atonement's mentioned 43 times. Holiness is mentioned 77 times. And Leviticus, as I said earlier, is put forth of a shadow, like a shadow of Christ. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll read a verse. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and the verse 1. And it reads like this. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. So the law was a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of things. So it wasn't the image. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year. Continually make the comers that are to perfect. So what does that verse basically mean? It means that you could have sacrificed all you wanted. But it took the ultimate sacrifice. The sinless spotless sacrifice of the Lamb of God. To take away the sin of the world. The original meaning of meat in the Bible, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29 and 30. Genesis 1, 29 and 30. And to every beast of the earth... And to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth on upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So meat here just doesn't mean what we would think today as meat. Meat here can mean any kind of fruit, herb, or, or fruit. Meat in the Hebrew simply means a gift. So in the Hebrew, it means a gift, an oblation which you're going to read in the chapters, we'll go through it. Oblation means uh, offering. I'm going to read through the chapter, and then I'm going to break it down. We're going to read through Leviticus chapter 2, and then I'm going to break it down verse by verse. And I want you to really grasp this tonight. I want you to see the lovely Lord Jesus Christ in this chapter. Let's read it. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord... His offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. 
And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. And he shall take thereof, thereout, his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar, to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if they bring an oblation of a meat offering bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of the fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof, and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven. For ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. As for the oblation of the firstfruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord. But they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savour. And every oblation of the meat offering shall thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. And if thou offer a meat offering of thy first fruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy first fruits green ears of corn dried by fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. And thou shalt put oil upon it. And lay a frankincense thereon, it is a meat offering. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the beaten corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof. With all the frankincense thereof, it is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So here we have the twelve tribes of Israel in the wilderness. They've come out of uh, Egypt, out of the Exodus. And they're encamped around the tabernacle of the congregation. And I'm going to break this down verse by verse. And I'm going to explain it to you. We're going to go to verse 1. Let's read it. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. The fine flour speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the fine flour is here in verse 1. But you can't get fine flour unless it's crushed. You can't get fine flour unless it's pressed and beaten. And that shows the sufferings of Christ when he was here on earth. In Gethsemane, as we know, at the bottom of the uh, the Mount of Olives, you have Gethsemane. And you you would have had an olive press in those days. What was the olive press? It was a stone container. And they would have poured the olives into the stone container. And they would have got a massive stone, a round stone, and attached it to a donkey. And the donkey would have walked round and round and round the olive press 
and the olives would have been crushed and crushed and crushed and the olive oil would have dripped down in the baskets. This is what happened to Christ when he was in Gethsemane. Christ was walking around Gethsemane in anguish, sweat drops of blood, and he was being crushed. He was being crushed. And that speaks of the olive press. Also, Isaiah chapter 53, as we know, the Isaiah the prophet prophesied 700 years before Christ's death on the cross. And you can go to Isaiah 53 and you can read some of the sufferings of Christ. The olive press is a sign of Christ being crushed. If you ever get fine flour and run your hands through fine flour, there's no blemishes, there's no unevenness, there's no lumps. It's pure. And the flour in verse 1 here represents Christ. So we have the flour. The flour is Christ. Now let's read on. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. So fine flour is Christ. And he shall pour oil upon it. So what is the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. So you have the fine flour, which is Christ. Now we mingle it with the Holy Spirit. We mingle it with the oil. And that speaks of Christ being born of the Holy Spirit. But it also speaks of his water baptism. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And verse 13 to 17. Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13 to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove, and leaning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So here we have the floor being mingled with the oil. But I want you to notice something. It says there in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. You know, you read, you read those verses sometimes, and you go, well, John baptized Jesus, and the dove came down, and the Father spoke, and that was it. That wasn't it. It says here, the heavens opened up, and the gaze, I want you to try and get this. The gaze of the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit descended. The Father spoke. And the gaze of the glory of heaven and everything in heaven was upon Christ. They were looking down and they were gazing in awe at the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the floor, which is Christ, mingled with the oil, which is the Holy Spirit. Let's read on in the verse 1. And he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. So now we have Christ the floor mingled with the Holy Spirit. And now we have the frankincense. The frankincense speaks of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So you now have the flower, which is Christ, mingled with the Holy Spirit, and now we have the frankincense. That first verse of Leviticus chapter 2 is amazing. That is a wonderful verse. You could speak on that all night. Frankincense, frankincense has to be burned. You can set frankincense there, and that's it. There's no smell of it. Frankincense must be put to the fire. That speaks of God's presence and testing. Frankincense has to be burned with fire to release its sweet aroma. Fire represents the presence of God and testing. Also, we know that the Son's crucifixion was a sweet savour unto the Father, for he came to do the Father's will. The Son came to do the Father's will. The crucifixion of Christ was a sweet savour to the Father. It was pleasing. It says in Scripture that it pleased the Father to bruise him. It was pleasing for the Father to do that. So in the first verse alone of Leviticus chapter 2, you have Christ, the fine floor, the oil, the Holy Spirit, and the frankincense, our great high priest. That verse alone is wonderful. It's a wonderful verse of Scripture. In verse 5, 6, and 7, or 4, 5, 6, and 7, it speaks of the different ways of offering the meat. It just speaks of the different types of suffering that Christ had while he was here on earth. Let's, let's go through them. Starting in verse 4. And if thou bring an oblation, that just means an offering, of a meat offering bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces, and pour oil thereon, it is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. So all those ways of, of, of bacon, the, the offering, the grain offering, were signs of Christ's different sufferings while he was here on earth. But if you look at verse 4, verse 4 says, And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers, Anointed with oil. Now what does that verse mean? This represents the Holy Spirit in worship and in the work of Christ. The Holy Spirit, Christ's work, no matter what it, what it is, shall be saturated in the Holy Spirit. That's why in some areas of the body of believers, there's nothing happening. The wonder why nobody's getting saved and there's nothing happening because the Holy Spirit is rejected. Unless the Holy Spirit moves and works in a body of believers, nothing will happen because we can't do it. I can't speak it. No amount of works will do it unless the Holy Spirit is among God's people. And unless the Holy Spirit moves and works, nothing will happen. The church will die. And you can see that happening throughout the land. Let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 24. We all know it. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in truth, spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit must have free course among God's people to move and to work. We must allow it. In verse 11, let's go to verse 11 of the chapter. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven. For ye shall burn no leaven, nor any honey, in any offering of the Lord made by fire. Clear instruction about the leaven and clear instruction about the honey. What does the leaven represent? The leaven represents sin. So the leaven represents sin and honey put to fire will spoil. And that represents corruption. So no corruption, no honey, and no leaven, no sin. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 and verse 6. Matthew 16 verse 6. So this is Christ speaking and he's been rejected by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the disciples, they're traveling around the coast of Magdala and the disciples forget to bring bread. So Jesus uses the opportunity to speak to them. Matthew chapter uh, 16 and the verse 6. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Christ was being rejected here by the religious leaders of the day. And he was being questioned and quizzed. And the disciples had forgot to bring bread. And he used the opportunity to speak to them about it. Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. A little leaven. Leaven of the whole loaf. What's that verse mean? That verse talking about false teachers. False teachers among God's people. A little leaven. A little yeast comes in. A little sin. Somebody telling me furry stories and wee tales. And everybody's in listening to it. A little leaven. Leavens the loaf. And then it's destroyed. And it's not fit for purpose. A little leaven. Leaven of the whole loaf. And you know, I, I got to that part of that chapter and the Lord spoke to me clearly as I was sitting in the house and the Lord said to me don't bring leaven to my sacrifices I will reject them we can't bring leaven to the sacrifice no matter what you're doing you could, there's many different ways to bring sacrifices to Christ many different ways don't bring leaven to the sacrifice so I, I took it in and I, and I listened to it and I, and I prayed over it. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean? I need to know what you mean. Self and pride. He said, don't bring self and don't bring pride to my sacrifices. I will reject them. It was clear. It was as clear as if he was standing beside me. Don't bring self and don't bring pride to the sacrifices that you bring to Christ. If you're doing anything for Christ, it's his glory. It's all about Christ. Crucify the flesh. And, you know, crucifying the flesh is hard. Hard. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Watch what you think. Watch how you act. 
I have to crucify the flesh every day. When I get up in the morning, and I was thinking about it on the way over, my biggest enemy, it's not, it's not Satan. And I, I mean that. I have the victory. I, I am blood-bought. It's me. I am my worst enemy. And I have to crucify my flesh every day. And what happens is, and I've seen it happen in many different places, pride comes into God's work. Before you know it, it's spoiled. That's what he means here. It's spoiling the sacrifice. And he won't have anything to do with it, and he won't accept it. Sacrifice has to be brought wholly about Christ. We have to crucify our flesh and say, Lord, you are glorified. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for your people. And that's it. Christ has to get all the glory. And when you're bringing sacrifices to Christ, make sure there's no leaven. Make sure there's no honey. Say, Lord, you are wonderful. I worship you. I give you all praise and glory and adoration. And I'm doing this for you, Lord. And I want you to be glorified, Lord. And if we did that, if we did that, the Lord would be really moving and really glorifying even more his holy name in this tabernacle. In verse 12 of chapter 2, And if thou offer a meat offering of thy firstfruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy firstfruits green ears of corn, dried by fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. So what does verse, verse 12 mean? The firstfruits of the harvest signifying that all things come from our, our creator. He is our first fruits. He is the creator. And he gives us all good things. In verse 13, it's, it says this in verse 13, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. So salt had to be in all the offerings. What does this salt represent? A preserving agent used as a symbol of God's covenant. The salt represented God's covenant with his people. Salt also removes and prevents corruption and also represents friendship. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And 49. Mark 9 and 49. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. What's that verse mean? It's speaking of purification and being made fit for the master's service. Speaking of trials. You're going through a trial tonight. You're still the Lord's. You're still saved. You're blood bought. But you're going through a trial. Good. The Lord chastens who he loveth. Does he not? You're going through a trial tonight and you're blood bought. Good. You're being made fit for the master's service. The potter and the wheel. Knocking off the rough bits. 
and then he will be glorified in your, in, in your life. Don't, don't, don't reject and don't murmur about, about trials. It, it, it's easy up here, isn't it? Everything's rosy. Everything's great. I'm having a great time. What about down there? But he's still the same God. And you're still blood-bought. And you're still saved. Don't murmur when you're being tried. Praise him. Try that. Say, Lord, I'm going through a trial, but you're still my God. I'm still blood-bought. And you're doing it for a reason. And you'll not see it until you come out the other end. That's when you'll see it. Don't murmur when you're being tried. The Lord chasteneth whom he loveth. Verse 14 of Leviticus. Verse 14. And if thou offer a meat offering of thy firstfruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy firstfruits green ears of corn dried by fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. First fruits speaking of Christ, and many will follow after him. Let's go to John 12. John chapter 12. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What does that verse mean? He's talking about himself. A crucified Christ will bring forth a harvest. What should the harvest be? Crucified Christians. Crucified Christians. Have you crucified the flesh? Take up your cross, he says, and follow me. Follow him. Not me or or somebody else. Forget about me. Follow Christ. Look to Christ in everything and every aspect of your life. A crucified Christ will bring forth a harvest of crucified Christians, but he had to die. He's speaking of himself. He had to die. But when Christ returns, he's going to reap the harvest, the crucified Christians. That's what that means. The green ears dried by fire, the wrath of the Father on his beloved Son. Let's go to Psalm 22 and and verse 5. Psalm 22 and verse 5. Verse 15, sorry. My strength is dried up like a a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of the earth. That's what that means by the green ears of uh, dried up by fire, the wrath of the Father on the Son. Beating out of full ears represents the beating and the whipping post in that verse. Beating out of full ears. So the Son submitted himself to the will of the Father for us. 
the Son submitted himself to the will of the Father for us. So, I'm going to finish with this. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is, I'm going to finish with these verses. The Son submitted himself to the will of the Father for us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I've read that verse many times, but it means something different to me now. It's as if I read that for the first time. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies bought with the price of the precious shed blood of the Lamb, a living sacrifice. Present your body to him as a living sacrifice with no leaven and no honey. Wholly acceptable. Because if you're coming with your leaven and your honey, you can forget it. Unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable, service. God bless.